almost want to do the intro just because I love Utena so much. Okay. So. You're. I, I you just. Gotta yell real loud, though. I know, I know. <clears throat> All right, <sighs> I'm going to do it. I'm going to yell. I'm going to yell, Brian. You got this. I got this. I got this. I'm pumping myself up. <clears throat> to Gay Space Rocks, a Steven Universe watching podcast where we watch Revolutionary Girl Utena. Uh, this is my show now because we are in the <laughs> Utena zone. Uh, I am August. You can find me on the internet at Harpy Dora and my pronouns are they them. With me today, as always, is my chrome plated co-host, Brian. <laughs> Hi, I'm Brian. You see him pronouns. You can find me on the internet at RoomwarePod. Uh, did you did you plug our garbage Twitter? Uh, no, I didn't. No, you can find us on the internet at Gay Space Pod. Um, check out our Discord to come talk about this because we're gonna. It's takes day. Take the takes are here. They're all mostly good takes, I imagine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. So, Brian. Um. Mm-hmm. Any cartoon news? Um, not that I know of. I've been, uh, I know that Owl House is being teased as coming back soon, but there is no strong date because I saw the, uh, the director was posting mm-hmm. that it's like two years old now. Yeah. Um, real, int- real interest in waiting for the Owl House to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, Uh, basically every the fucking thing in the whole goddamn universe is on hiatus right this second. Uh, so yeah, uh, I don't know if there's. I don't. I feel like I can't find. I'm sure Twitter will let me know when the next big cartoon craze is coming. But I feel I feel like so Al House is gonna be wrapping up soon. Amphibia is gonna probably be wrapping up soon. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like maybe I should get into Craig of the Creek. Craig of the Creek seems like a fun little cartoon, but I think it's maybe geared at an age way lower than I can find interest in. That's yeah. not to say that's a bad cartoon. That just doesn't, it just like, you know. You're not in the splash it, like, zone. The lou- yeah, like I've watched parts of it in like the Owl, or not the Owl House, but the Loud House um, and stuff like that. And it seems fun, but maybe it seems like it's directed too low for me to get into. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like, like that was my problem with Amphibia at first. So I feel mm-hmm. you. It seems like Amphibia really was like, oh, we're not connecting with our core demographic. We're in fact connecting with a much older one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or maybe that was the plan all along. Like they maybe felonied it. 
uh, which is where you pitch a much simpler show and you do like literally four episodes of a simple show. And then you're like, I'm in. I can't you can't get rid of us now. <laughs> yep. Yep. So on that note, Brian, have you watched any cartoons? Um, Outside of my usual uh, stuff, I've been started the book of Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. I think book Boba Fett's pretty good. Um, people don't seem to understand the book of Boba Fett. Everybody's like, they ruined the, the most interesting part of book of Boba Fett, the third episode. And it's like, yeah, yeah, guys, it's supposed to be like a parable about his hubris about the situation. I don't know. It seemed pretty straightforward to me. A dumbass. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, don't want to spoil it because it's kind of a real big spoiler if you're enjoying that season. Or that series. It very much seems like a show of Boba Fett, like, I'm going to be a crime lord. And then realizing he doesn't know how to be a crime lord, so he mm-hmm. just starts a gang. And he's got a good gang. He's got mm-hmm. a great gang. They're they're fun. And um, Morrison is doing a really great job at making me give a fuck about Boba Fett, as I believe I've, like, known Boba Fett hater me. Uh, really enjoying this version of Boba Fett, who is just, like, kind of a hard-ass but really loves animals and kids like <laughs> yeah. he gets like a basically he gets like a giant pit bull in episode three and he's just like dog <laughs> i mean that's an appropriate reaction to a pit bull so mm-hmm. it's very good um let's see peacemaker started as well which uh, one was that one it peacemaker is john cena's character from suicide squad 2021 Mm. Uh, spun off into his own show also directed by James Gunn okay uh, I may be enjoying Book of Boba Fett because it's like the two of the three episodes I've premiered so far have been directed by Robert Rodriguez and in their like every action scene is very Rodriguez-y mm-hmm. uh, so they may that may be part of it and like again Peacemaker is very much a James Gunn joint because like I like Guardians of the Galaxy but I think James Gunn is better when you he has a little less he doesn't have the restrictions of a PG-13 rating. Yeah. Because he's like he's a trauma dude. He wants to make weird, gory stuff that is weirdly emotionally effective. Mm hmm. And he does a good job at it. I think Peacemaker's pretty good. It's got a, a God tier opening. Oh, boy. <laughs> um. So uh, and also they introduce Peacemaker's sidekick, Eagly, a bald eagle. <laughs> OK. <laughs> Uh, just a weird CG bald eagle. I love it. Well, all right. Um, yeah. I also, uh, I'm going to start Twitter beef right here. Oh boy. (laughs) The 23 listeners of our show. So I've been watching, I was watching this channel called Tiptoe the Tank, right? Uh Um, what they do is they kind of like do like a, um, kind of like an artistic retelling of the lore of a story like where they kind of tell it like it's a you know like it's a story as opposed to just a like a regular lore rundown mm-hmm. and which is very interesting and i like i was watching it about some things and like unfortunately i made a, a grave mistake of watching episodes on games that we have played you and me <laughs> oh in particular boy. bioshock oh and boy Tiptoe is not necessarily a bad person, but like, cause like almost every other game I had watched from them didn't have overt politics. You know what I mean? Like every game has politics. Every 
ac- piece of art in creation has politics. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes they're at the forefront and sometimes they're not. The, that's just, you know, Majora's Mask has politics, but I don't know what they are. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Bioshock has very explicit politics, sometimes terrible ones. Yeah. Uh, but it 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 is not what I would call... It doesn't try, it ends up doing this, but what it's trying to present is, like, not a neoliberal interpretation of the things that's putting forward. It's trying to put forward a whole bunch of ideas. It shoots real high, and it falls low a lot of the time. Um, and it's, it doesn't have quite the charm or the understanding of the things it talks about in the same way that, like, Metal Gear Solid shoots real high and falls down, but in, a, in an endearing way. Mm-hmm. Um, like a toddler trying to walk Metal Gear Solid is to politics. Oh, my God. Uh <laughs> <laughs> you hate this because I've described Metal Gear Solid perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was just like the most milk toast neoliberal interpretation of the story of Bioshock. And I got so mad watching it. Did you comment? Like, Please. Hmm? Did no, you I don't comment on YouTube pages. Okay. I don't comment on YouTube channels. Fuck okay, that. I'm I not going to. I just, I just wanted to make sure. I wanted to make sure you no, hadn't no, been I've replaced got a by a pod That's person. What, yeah, yeah, I've got a podcast. Yeah, uh, but tiptoe the tank. If you ever want to come on our show and discuss politics, let's do this of of weird video game media. August and I are down. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying you're a bad person. I'm just saying you need to reevaluate your interpretations of the media through not your own political lens, but like do research. Like don't just do an artistic retelling of the story, but do research on the political mindedness of the, of the works that you are presenting. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Cause there was, uh, as a particular, the thing that kind of like made my brain hurt a little bit because they start with Bioshock infinite and then move into Bioshock, Bioshock. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we got to Daisy Fitzroy. Uh, <sighs> And there were some bad takes, let's just put it that way. I'm making the, the grimacy emoji face now. Yeah. So. Anyways, Bioshock, yeah. a game that really should stuck to sci-fi. Yeah, uh-huh. Because the sci-fi I mean, bits of that game, great. I mean, Infinite, admittedly, admittedly yeah. sci-fi as a genre is inherently political too, but, you know, it, it should have stuck with weird the weird science stuff instead of going and and trying to solve racism Mm -hmm. you could have had it there you just tried you should not have tried to solve it yeah oh boy what a mess Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, what about you um, You're so excited about the cartoons you watched. <laughs> yeah, so I watched two cartoons. We're going to start with the one that will is least likely to get us uh, hate mail, which is um, I made Anya watch Wreck-It Ralph. Um, and Anya not seen Wreck-It Ralph? I Anya say this has, knowing that Anya's never seen any movie. Yeah, Anya, Anya hasn't <laughs> seen a lot of movies. So I showed Anya Wreck-It Ralph. They enjoyed it deeply. Um, I really enjoy Wreck-It Ralph in general. There are a couple of places where I think it falls down, but overall it's, it's really fun. And, you know, the whole like self-acceptance message and, you know, finding friendship in unlikely places, you know, that stuff gets to me every time. So, you know. And Sonic the Hedgehog. 
Oh my god, I fucking hate that movie, by the way. No, I'm um, talking about Sonic the Hedgehog in Wreck-It Ralph. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> oh my god. Um, I, I always forget about the Aerith Lives graffiti in one of the <laughs> subway tunnels. Uh, it's real good. Um, also, Calhoun, call me. I'm free on Thursday. Uh, anyway... <clears throat> So the the take that's that's more likely to get people upset. Um, so we watched Encanto, mm-hmm. um, like many people in our age bracket do, uh, and it was fun. I enjoyed it. I mean, Lin Manuel Miranda knows how to put together a soundtrack, but mm-hmm. uh, it reminded me of all of the ways in which I fucking wish Disney would stop trying to do 3d the way that they do it. Um, I watched that movie and for most of the sequences in that movie, I was like, this would have been way better in 2d. Like just a highly stylized 2d style or alternately in something resembling the, uh, into the uh, spider verse style it would have been so much more visually impactful as it was like most of the visuals were kind of lukewarm and it made me sad. So is the, is there criticism that should have been 2d or that it should have been more, they should have been more experimental with their styling. I guess the reason I say they should have been 2d is because they were more experimental with their 2d styling Um, so yeah, it's really more along the lines of they should have been more experimental. Like it's, there were so many sequences that called for, it called for them to push the envelope in ways that they refused to do so. Yeah, that that's fair because Disney plays it extremely safe with their three because they don't they're also not Pixar where like Mm -hmm. Pixar kind of has just been evolving the same style, but that style that they have is like j- just the level of focus and nuance in the things that they do. And that's not to say that the people who are making Gunkanto are like hacks or some shit. Like no, that. no, no, no. I'm sure they work extremely hard at the thing, but like there's, there's the Pixar style where fucking, you know, the, the, the blue one from monsters Inc has like every fucking little hair rendered or whatever, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, it's fine. Like it looks, it looks okay. There are several sequences that are pretty, but it's just it would have benefited from being way more stylized, and mm-hmm. you know, it it's frustrating. Well, it's I'm frustrating. If we're yeah, go on. Sorry. It it's frustrating thinking of like you know the Disney Renaissance and like the things that they did with like Lilo and Stitch with all of the the beautiful. Um, watercolor backgrounds or the things that they did with the styles, the style with, uh, emperor's new groove. That's it. I wish it had been in the emperor's new groove style. That's what it is. That'd be pretty fun. I think we're, we're going to see like a sea change in the stylistic, like presentation of 3d animation, considering how big into the spider verse was, Mm -hmm. um, and probably how much bigger, into the Spider-Verse 2 is going to be. Mm -hmm. And then the wild breakaway success of Arcane on Netflix, Mm -hmm. which has a... I have problems with that show, but the art is not one of them because that show looks fucking dope. Yeah. Uh, And I think what's showing is that there's a market for this more expressive, more experimental 3D modeling work. Um, 
like when it comes to animation. Yeah. Uh, and I like and I honestly in, in house Disney stuff has shown that because like I believe Inside Out was very big and Inside Out had a very Inside Out was out Pixar. Star. Well, yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's still, it's still Disney. No, I can say no, no, no. It's still Disney, Disney and Pixar, their studios are two separate things entirely. Like, yeah, but they're owned by. I mean, they may be Pixar's owned, owned by Disney. Yeah, I don't know if is Pixar owned by Disney. I I, I know I'm for a sure. very long time they were uh, uh, they were their separate. Yeah, purchased. Okay, it, it was uh, purchased years ago. Yeah. Uh, 2006. Wow. Has it really been that Mm -hmm. long? Yeah. Damn. It's kind of interesting (laughs) that they haven't just like absorbed Pixar for their in-house stuff and just pivoted entirely to that studio. I wonder if that'll ever happen. Uh, Maybe. I mean, it seems as though they have like they they understand that, that whatever is going on with Pixar is extremely popular and frankly whatever's going on with Disney is also popular they do keep doing gangbusters with these movies yeah and um i mean it's it's fine i'm just i i yearn for the disney renaissance days and i i yearn for for 2d animation of that that quality and style is really what it boils down to. And it's not that 3D animation is bad, it's just 3D animation isn't what I want, and so that yeah. leaves me disappointed. Uh, so. Honestly, when it comes to major motion picture releases, we're probably never going to see a 2D animated film. Uh, oh, again. I know. I know. Yeah. Well, outside of, like, Japan. Yeah. Because, uh, no, you know, I Evangelion know. came out and did uh, an obscene amount of money, so. Yeah. Which is obviously, you know, is inherently a hybrid... Um, of things, but you know, yeah. The, I mean, it's still a significant amount of 2D art going on there. Like, like I said, you know, exposing my luddite nature. Well, actually, just, I say, I say this, and I watched the Bob's Burgers movie trailer literally yesterday. So <laughs> that okay, sure. Did you not know there's a there's going to be a Bob's Burgers movie? I did not know that. Yeah, like I guess in the vein of the Simpsons movie or whatever, but it seems fun. Yeah, I like Bob's Burgers. Yeah, like it, it seems like it's just going to be a big episode of Bob's Burgers, which is all an animated movie based on the series should be, frankly. Yeah. Agreed. My also, I don't know if it's acting as a finale for Bob's Burgers. Cause I know Bob's Burgers has been running for a hot minute, so. Mm-hmm. Though a lot of those, like, you know, animated sitcoms can literally run forever because you don't need to worry about anything. Yeah. As long as your characterization's good, who cares about uh, who cares about plot and continuity? Like that's not a, a jab. That's legitimately you, you. Your characterization's good. You don't need plot or continuity. But yeah, so that's my lukewarm take for the day. Yep. Cool. So, so come fight us, fans of Encanto and uh, Tank Tiptoe the Tank. So yeah, we're here. You know where to find us. Yeah. Um, um, please don't fight me. I'll cry. <laughs> You'll have to fight me. I don't cry. I know. When I fight. I cry all the time for other reasons, but not usually for fighting. All right. Uh, shall we? Shall we do this? Yeah, let's do this. 
Hey, everybody, if you're not, before we get into the synopsis, if you're not familiar with Revolutionary Girl Lieutenant, content warnings for incest uh, and sexual assault, uh, pretty much we're throughout the whole thing. If it seems too heavy for you, like maybe go read the synopsis beforehand uh, and see how you feel about it. Obviously, August and I are not going to get into like gruesome details about anything like that, but these are themes that are extremely present in both this movie and the anime as a whole. So if you're not down for that ride, that's totally fine. Uh, just maybe go go check things out uh, and take care of yourself. Okay, um, I'm going to take oh. the synopsis. Huh? Oh, yeah. I was just going to read the one from Wikipedia because it's pretty yeah. concise and does a pretty decent job, frankly. Yeah, that's that's what I was planning on reading. Okay. All right. So the plot, as it were. <laughs> it's revolutionary girl Utena up until like the last 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. And then it, it's no, still... not 15. Minutes. Sorry, I forgot how long that sequence is to last 45 minutes. <laughs> it's. I mean, it's still revolutionary girl lieutenant. It's just, you know, bonkers in a, in different ways than the series is. But, um, you know, if you're familiar, even passingly with, with Utena, you know that it's fucking bonkers. Yeah. Revolutionary girl Utena Audi special edition. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Utena Tenjo, a new student of Otori Academy, tours the school with classmate Wakaba Shinohara. She observes a fencing match between students Juri Arisugawa and Miki Kaoru, encounters her ex-boyfriend Toga Kiryu, and discovers a rose-engraved signet ring identical to the one he was wearing after their encounter, and meets Anthe Himamiya, the sister of the school's absent chairman Akio Otori. Kyoichi Sayonji, a student also wearing a rose wing who calls Anthe the Rose Bride, sees Utena's ring and challenges her to a duel. Utena emerges victorious using a sword pulled out of Anthe's chest. You know, like you do. Yeah, very straight uh, things. Yes, incredibly. Um, that night, Anthe visits Utena's dormitory and attempts to initiate sex with her, but is rebuffed. When Utena questions Anthe about the duel and the rings, Anthe responds that the rings mark their bearers as duelists, that she is betrothed to whomever is the victor of the duels, and that whoever possesses the Rose Bride has the, quote, power to revolutionize the world. Elsewhere, Juri's childhood friend Shiori Takatsuki tells Toga that, he, that as a child, her, quote unquote, prince died attempting to save a drowning girl. They receive a phone call from Akio, who says that Anthe is a witch who made the Lord of the Flies into a prince. But when her magic faded, the prince returned to his true form. The duels are organized in an attempt to reactivate her magic. Juri, who is manipulated by Shiori into dueling Utena, is defeated after witnessing Utena seemingly transform into Anthe's prince. <clears throat> the school's broadcasting club uncovers a video that suggests that Anthe was previously drugged and raped by Akio. Akio's corpse is found buried in Anthe's garden shortly thereafter, shocking the school with the revelation that he is long dead. A second video depicts Anthe lucid during her rape, which prompted a panicked Akio to stab her and accidentally fall out of a window to his death. Utena searches for Anthe and finds Toga. She suddenly remembers that Toga is the, quote, prince referenced by Shiori, and that he died while saving Juri from drowning when they were children. Utena th thanks Toga for being her prince, and he vanishes. Utena finds Anthe and tells her they should go, quote, to the outside world, upon which Utena is swallowed by a car wash and metamorphosed into a car. 
Anthe enters the car and drives it away from the academy, though a fleet of tanks and Shiori, also in car form, attempt to thwart her. Anthe is assisted in her escape by Juri, Miki, Sionji, and Wakaba, who have been inspired by Utenda and Anthe to go to the outside world. An apparition of Akio attempts to stop Anthe, but she rebukes him in a burst of roses. Utenna and Anthe emerge, riding the remnants of the car, and kiss as they drive into a gray wasteland. Um, so yeah, um, I do really love how uh, it's a one-sentence thing where Utenna is swallowed by a car wash and metamorphosed into a car. Uh, a good car. job, Wikipedia. Um, mm-hmm. So to start this off, to start this off, when I when I uh, said that uh, I was going to watch this movie. Um, uh, I told Anya that they didn't have to watch the movie with me, and they were like, you know, oh, thank God I don't like mecha anime. And I was not sure how to tell them that it's not mecha anime, but they do turn into cars. Why did August or why did Anya think it was a mecha anime? I have no fucking clue. Possibly because uh, they were conflating it with like Evangelion. Which oh, okay. also Evangelion is only is barely a mecha anime. Yeah, yeah, it's only it's tenuously. Like super ro- yeah, it's like part super robot, part mecha. Yeah, mostly depression. Yeah, mostly. <laughs> a little bit of gay. Um, presented by Sega. <laughs> yeah, I had. I don't know if your DVD that. says that. Yes, it does. Um, let me. Let me. I am sorry, folks. I. I we were very incorrect in our initial like run up to this we thought you could watch this movie for free on funimation with ads that is not true you must get a funimation account i didn't think they had i don't think they have a free trial uh at the moment so i rented this for two dollars off of youtube because i could not find uh an, uh my uncle who worked at disney t- couldn't find anything uh on on the disney archives uh <laughs> <laughs> for this which is real weird also uh there is no higher quality transfer of this i'm fucking mad about this can i not get a blu-ray transfer of this even in just like uh high definition i don't need 4k but maybe 1080p so i don't have to watch this in fucking 480p like it's 2001 <laughs> like fuck this i i Sorry, don't I'm mad. think i don't think the dvd is 480 i think it it's at least like 720 Every version of it I've ever I've been able to find is at four twenty or four eighty, which is standard definition. Yeah, I don't. I'll have to double check because it didn't look like garbage at all. It doesn't look like garbage, but like it could look sharper. I don't know. I'll have to double check. Um, Let me see. This may also be like the benefit of watching it on big televisions and like I'm a bit of like a I've got my four K monitor, so now I'm a fucking media snob. Uh, so, but I just, I want, whenever I watch these things, I want them in the highest quality I can, because like, especially anime of this period of time looks so fucking good when blown up. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And maybe I'm just spoiled from the recent watchings of Evangelion. So I don't know. Um, I do want to say as a note, um, first of all, even even in standard def, the movie looks fucking incredible. The animation has held up so well. Um, and uh, I think one of the reasons that it holds up so well is, unlike the series, which was primarily using, uh, using traditional animation, uh, they did uh, a bunch of uh, digital animation. I want to say it was probably like a third to half of the movie was digital um, yeah, using a supercomputer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
uh, which was at the time the new hotness. Like, yeah, apparently they rendered large sections of it in monochrome and then went back and recolored it later. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so because they were like, we're gonna do this monochrome to make it moody, and then they were like, ah, oh, this sucks. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, oh, so, there is a there is a um there is a high definition version, um, but it just may not be like maybe the DV- DVD is high def because they had to remaster the entire dance sequence for it, according to Wikipedia. Oh, interesting. I could I can't find it anywhere like yeah. on Amazon or nothing. I can only find a, a standard ass DVD. Yeah. Uh, which is not going to have usually DVDs don't have HD content on them. So mm. almost um, every DVD player outputs standard definition. So, yeah. All right. So it's been decades since I saw the original anime and the uh, first time I saw the movie. So let's fucking go. Yeah, I re- went ahead and I rewatched large sections of, like, not the whole damn thing, but, like, sections of the anime to, like, remember what the anime was like and then reread. Then and I just kind of read a plot synopsis so I would remember what the anime was and mm. then jumped into this thing. Um, and uh, the. So here's. I'm going to get my one huge complaint about this movie uh, out of the way, real quick. Yes. While I like the movie or why I like the music in this movie, the mix on the music in this movie sucks shit. It's so muffled. There is no crispness or life to any of these mixes, and I have listened to them on multiple things to make sure it wasn't just the speakers I was listening to it out of the, like, out of out of initially and it's so dull and it hurts me and also i can tell it was made with like a korg m4 uh because there's not a real instrument hardly at all on this soundtrack which is fine i understand it's a budgetary constraint but like it especially feels weird when like the apocalypse requiem kicks in at the end the only track that they used reused from the anime and they spent a lot of money on because they reused it so much in the anime Mm, mm mm-mm no, sir, that is not the only track they reuse. Oh. Uh, there are two other tracks that they reuse. Obviously, the opening theme uh, yeah. and the, during the climactic sequence, which made me tear up because I am I I just had visceral memories about the opening theme to the anime. And uh, they also reuse parts of uh, the Sunlit Garden. Okay. I just, um, it, it's so synthy, which I will accept from a television show, but like, I would hope, like, there's a level of gravitas and emotionality that you can add when these are obvious, like, when I say synthy, I don't mean there, there are synthesizers on the track. They are synthesized real instruments. I know what violin patch four sounds like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, And yeah. they're not trying to make it sound like not a violin. They want that violin feel. And it would be cool if we spent some money and got some violins. <laughs> yeah, I. it's funny because I think there is an orchestral version of the soundtrack out there somewhere. Like, I, I want to say I may is, have was, a copy. It was recorded later, like uh, yeah. after the movie got like, I'm sure this, there was no budget for it. Um, and it's, it is simpler and easier to produce like a, a MIDI 
Yeah. Or a, like a synthesized version of these things, especially at the time when you had, you know, decent sounding synths. I can tell they're not real because I'm a fucking weirdo music snob. Probably this means nothing to like most people. Um, but it was very I was like it especially the the real problem to me is the mix because it mm-hmm. just there's no life to it because of the way that they've mastered it and it's so dull that mm-hmm. it uh, it's to me it detracts from the thing that's trying to happen on screen. I don't know if that's just like late 90s digital mastering or fucking what's going on there but pissed me off. Yeah. No, you're you're valid, you're valid. Mm-hmm. Uh the music I feel like the the mixes on most of the music and Utena in general have never been the best. Um, but the music is also just divisive in general. The fact that you come down on overall liking it. Um, I don't want to say it puts you in the minority, but there are definitely people who would fight you over it. Oh, you mean like the fact that the music is just like wild, fantastical bullshit with translated lines like... Um some like death records tax records or something like what is the yeah yeah but i mean it's it's funny though because a lot of it seems like nonsense but you know there's usually some thread to it that has to do with the duel that that's happening yeah um but i i personally think that mixing issues aside the soundtrack still slaps like i've always loved the ton of music uh, it's really good. Uh, the um, Toki ni Iowa, still really, really good song, really good standalone sing- single. That sequence, mwah, it still looks good. Um, yeah, just soundtrack, still good. Also, just like a me- like we were talking about the visuals from me. This is immediately like. This very much feels like a post Evangelion show from an aesthetic or movie from an aesthetic standpoint. Like Gynax has showed up on the scene and everybody is starting to like everybody is kind of pulling from that in a sense. And then it will all disappear when we get to the DigiPaint area of anime. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, that's not that is not to say that it's bad. They're obviously doing something of their own. Like they are doing something on their own but it's like an evolution of like the the television show's style into something more grandiose more gothic more uh mm. more experimental that you would find that gynax is i hate gynax as people but they're good at the thing they do <laughs> yeah 100 percent um although speaking of the visuals it's the visuals for this still like the backgrounds and stuff still look really good, but with adolescence of Utena, the movie specifically, you don't get to see as much of what influenced Steven universe, because this is where they get kind of intense and aggro with all of the architecture. And mm-hmm. like, it just, well, Steven universe has a very not- soft. Okay. Let's not, uh, we haven't gotten to Homeworld yet, August. Okay, so for three seasons, <laughs> for three seasons, Steven Universe has a very has a very soft art style that is reflective of the kind of art style that got used in the TV series. So mm. at least as of what I've seen, there's not a lot of that maps directly to 
like Steven Universe's DNA visually, with the exception right. of like, you know, Shannon and I were talking about this. And, you know, when you first see Utena in profile, it's like, wow, that's Pearl. That's a Pearl it's right just there. Pearl. Yeah, it's just it's Pearl. Just Pearl. <laughs> uh, I was the the so I also couldn't find a version. I, I'm sure if I'd done the Funimation one, but I had to watch this uh, with the English dub. Uh, oh, I'm which sorry. is surprisingly good. Oh, uh, I mean, again, so uh, I was telling August this: the uh, the director of the movie personally supervised the translation of of this movie into English to make sure that it was not quote unquote Americanized, uh, and the voice acting is fine to good. It's not revolutionary, hmm. uh, but um. It's good. And the voice actor for Utena, who I guess is also the voice actor for Utena in the series in the U.S., um, mm-hmm. I was like, holy shit, is that Rose? Sounds exactly like fucking Rose Quartz. Dead, like, dead fucking on. Uh, so sent me down a rabbit hole of being like, because I wouldn't put it past Rebecca Sugar to just get Utena's voice actor in English to be Rose Quartz. Like, that just seems very much like a thing Rebecca Sugar would try to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not. Uh, they aren't the same voice actor. They sound incredibly similar to one another. Uh, but I did learn interesting facts about Rose's uh, voice actor uh, in the sense that uh, so she has one other big major role to her credit. Um, and she's Megara from fucking Hercules. <laughs> huh. Yeah. Also, weirdly enough, Dr. Octopus's wife from Spider-Man 2. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So. Like the the Sam Raimi Spider Man. Yeah. Sam. Yeah. 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 The only yeah. one Doctor. Well, the, up until recently, the only one Doctor Octopus was in. Yeah. So, fun facts about the voice actor for uh, Rose Quartz. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Because once that, like, once I saw the Megro thing, I'm like, oh yeah, it makes sense. They basically that yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um but yeah, the just this movie just goes for it from the jump. They're like subtext. Yeah. We're no longer bound by a network. Yeah. <laughs> we, Iku- we are at our full power. Ikuhara and Lana Wachowski both said subtleties for losers. Um, the, there's the gayest opening in all of movies. Like, oh, are you in Utena Tenryu? And she's like, uh, yeah, pretty girl. <laughs> yeah, it's real good. I love, I love how gender nonconforming Utena is. I love how, uh, how obviously a by disaster she is. Um, mm. it's an interesting juxtaposition. T- so. Let me let me reel this back in. Um, this movie, I don't think it is possible to watch this movie and get much of anything out of it if you're not familiar with the TV series because it's explicitly in conversation with the TV series. Uh, yeah, there have, are a lot of things that I have thoughts about that as well. <laughs> but well, there there are a lot of things that Ikuhara wanted to do differently in the series but couldn't. And, like, the entire movie takes a lot of stuff from the series, recontextualizes some of it to make more clear the message about, like, the characters or the themes, and amps up a bunch of other stuff to 11, 
and you know remove some stuff that I think Ikuhara thought was was chaff, uh, like Nanami's character entirely just fucking gone. Yeah, but uh, fucking like, uh, ba- basically uh, Mickey's sister Kazu like gone, <laughs> except for like well, I mean what two two scenes she's in basically. Well, I mean Mickey. Mickey and Jury were, you know, for, with with reasonable reason, were very much downplayed in mm-hmm. the uh, in the movie because yeah. there just wasn't any room for their arcs for the most part. Like, there's a vague uh, stab, pardon the pun, at a little bit of Jury's arc, but you know, Mickey's arc kind of got lost in the shuffle and you know that's understandable this isn't the adolescence of miki kaoru it's the adolescence of utena um so you know it it makes sense but yeah just this is a work that's in conversation with what has come before it and so i don't think it's it um, you know you really need to like read a synopsis of the series before watching this it is weird that the three uh, movie, like the three movies that we have watched this year, are uh, <laughs> over the last year, uh, are very much all in the same vein of being like works that are in conversation with the artist's previous work. Yeah, I think Matrix Resurrections is probably the least that, just because it it's more of a it, direct sequel. It's more of a direct sequel, but also it's. It explicitly tells you what you need to know inside the text. There's nothing where, you know, yeah. you have to. You can have not watched The Matrix and get what's going on mostly with Resurrections. Like, I think if you hadn't watched The Matrix and just existed in society and absorbed what you knew about The Matrix through pop culture, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think you have any issue watching Resurrections. Yeah, exactly. Um, and honestly, maybe the same with Evan. Like, I think uh, the two begin, like the two rebuild movies for Evangelion do a good job of like if you don't have a history with Evangelion. I mean, by nature, they're retellings of the the series. Those two movies are, so yeah. that helps a lot. This is probably the least accessible. <laughs> yes, of and those I mean, three. like Utena in general is the least accessible of the three. Like mm-hmm. even the Evangelion TV series is is still relatively accessible. Utena, yeah, you is, can watch it on Netflix. Well, no, I'm talking about just like getting into the work. Like oh, Evangelion yeah. is a fairly straightforward for the most part up until a certain point, whereas Utena, you know, kind of prides itself in being you know surreal and not necessarily like. Um, uh, representative, you know, directly representative. There's a whole bunch of symbolism, and it, you know, some of it is complete bullshit, but some of the some of it, you know, is important to the themes of the story. So, like, it's it is a more challenging work to the viewer, I think, yeah. than and honestly, either the other two. Much harder to get a hold of. But yeah, it. Yeah, I'm. I know for a fact that you can get it on things like Funimation's streaming site, but like that's not Netflix. That's not it doesn't have the level of ubiquity when it comes to services uh, that you can watch the Matrix on HBO Max. You can watch all of them, everything, everything Matrix on HBO Max, a service that a lot of fucking people have. Uh, You can watch Evangelion front to fucking back 
plus all the rebuild movies. Oh, wait, no, no, sorry. They, those aren't on there. They're on Amazon. The other yeah. most, probably one of the most ubiquitous services in the world. Um, yeah. Like, it's not hard to get these things, but for a show that probably has, like, some of the most, like, far-reaching uh, cultural impact when it comes to anime uh and some western art obviously steven universe i feel like is an outlier with how impacted by it is by comparison to other western cartoons oh yeah um but it uh is just like not accessible from it was not made to be easily consumed and is no, no. not currently easily consumable yeah yeah it is something that wanted you to meet it where it was rather than it trying to meet you where you are um yeah. and like which isn't I to don't say even that know- like meeting your audience where they are is a bad thing. It's just a different approach to art. Yes. Yeah, 100%. Um, But yeah, it's... I also do think that it is... Of the things that we've watched, it is the most similar to Matrix Resurrections, uh, thematically, and especially when it comes to, like... So... I'm going to be pulling in some stuff from the series because it's impossible not to, but, like, the concept of... Go ahead. Oh, go on, yeah. Well, like the concept of re- revolutionizing the world and in the series that that phrase is paired with crack the world's shell mm-hmm. um, and or, you know, something along those lines. I was lazy and didn't look it up, but there's definitely shell cracking going on. And like the concept of like the characters coming to terms with their own queerness and, you know, the. You know, the egg We really need to watch the other two Evangelion movies. Because <laughs> I feel like this sits in, like, this sits between, like, it really sits in a, a middle place between, like, what the Rebuild movies end up doing with that series and what Matrix Resurrections is trying to do with that series. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, like, I mean, it's hard to not talk about, uh, in conversation with the things that we have reviewed this within the past year, obviously there's like significantly more fucking media in the world than Evangelion and the matrix, but not by much. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, but, uh, like remaking the world as like a metaphor for self exploration, actualization is big in all of like weird that August and I, uh, are drawn to these <laughs> franchises, huh? I wonder what that says about these franchises. Not about us, obviously. No self yeah. self reflection here. Yeah. Um, but I think that because you were talking about pulling in things from the show, I think much like Evangelion, in this is obviously this hasn't the the, the director of Utena will not give you any information. He he loves to watch you struggle and suffer. Um, yeah. But uh, apparently he also cosplayed to Sailor Mars a number of times. I'm trying to find pictures of it because that sounds adorable. That's, yeah, I, <laughs> um, I remember seeing pictures. So so at the very least, during the, mm-hmm. the period of time where where he was doing like Sailor Moon and then transitioning to Utena, um, like he was kind of hot. Um, mm-hmm. Not going to lie. I thought he was pretty hot. I had a crush on him. Uh, but yeah, he's also a little unhinged. It's great. Like he he comes from that. Like apparently he he is good friends with Tomino, and that makes a lot of sense. Oh yeah, that does make sense. <laughs> I mean, he he seems like he's funner to hang around than Tomino. Um, but uh, apparently, his most recent works are like extremely critical of like late stage capitalism. 
mm-hmm. so that's pretty fun. I should look up that weird penguin I, something another. Based Ma- uh, Mawaru Penguidrum. Yeah. I've heard that's depressing as fuck. Um, yeah, I mean, but, it sounds like it, but as a person yeah. who watches a lot of Gundam, it's probably appealing to me. <laughs> yeah, no, I've heard it's good. I've heard it's real good. But yeah, I mean, just based on Utena in general, because it has a lot of his politics in it, like, mm-hmm. you know, dude seems pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. So, And um, what I was saying is, I think that this show is not just in conversation with the previous works, but like is part of like cyclical storytelling. Cause mm-hmm. Anthe at the beginning of this, obviously a completely different character design, but the shot that sets oh. up the beginning of this movie is basically the last shot of the television series. Yeah. Although like, I do think that it's, it's very interesting the way that they choose to go with Anthe in the the movie versus Anthe in the TV series where in the TV series she's like she has her hair you know tightly quaffed and uh she you know appears to be very repressed whereas in the the movie they decided to go the opposite direction her hair is down it's long it's loose and she's just like fucking yeah let's go Whereas mm-hmm. Utena is the one who has the close the close cropped hair and is just like what the fuck is going on here, um, and a little more cautious than she is in the series. Uh, nice nice juxtaposition at least. Yeah, because what I think is happening here, or what they're trying to say here, is because like in the show, for people who haven't watched the show, Utena shows up at this high school with the ring, and the ring is the thing that has called her to the high school. Um, and. Uh, she meets Toki. It's very, like, you know, they're riffing on the same, same, same basic ideas. And in this, I think it's interesting that she gets the ring after she arrives, because I feel like it's at the end of the show, uh, you know, we, we, we initiate the world revolution or what have you, uh, but Utena disappears after, like, more or less sacrificing herself to allow Anthony to continue living. And I think this is just the same Anthony who has used whatever power that she acquired at the end of the show to, like, reactualize, like, Utena back into, like, this fucked up afterlife that I think they all live in, because I'm sure everyone's dead. I'm pretty sure that's yeah. what they're trying to tell me, is well, everyone's dead. Well, also, also, I feel like Otori Academy is a construct that forces you to that forces you to reckon with your trauma. And so, yeah. you know, like yeah, I I do think everybody's fucking dead in Otori Academy, especially in the movie, but um, or maybe one person. I can't tell if everyone's dead or just Toga is dead. <laughs> no, Anthe's dead. We saw her die. Akio is dead. We saw him die. Yeah. Um, but then, jury- then Mickey doesn't see Toga. Toga's like, it's like the sixth sense. And it's a little confused. I'm a little confused at that point. Yeah. So Mickey, Mickey and Jury may still be alive. Um, and Utena may still be alive. I don't think that this is necessarily a sequel directly. Um, I think that that was a good callback to get you like, in the right mindset for the movie, but I don't think that implies that this is a direct sequel. Well, um, I think it's a, it's, it's a sequel in the same way that rebuild is a sequel to Evangelion. Uh, uh I, I 
guess I can see What that. I'm trying to say here is that Anno stole everything he's ever done. Uh. Oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, most most people do, though. It's true. But, <laughs> yeah. No, I I don't know. I, I'm of two minds on that one. Yeah. But, yeah. Um... Sorry, so go, many of my, we got off onto a whole tangent. Yeah, so so oh, many man, of my strap notes. Oh man, for a long one here, people. I just looked at the clock. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. Glad I ate dinner before I before I sat down. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So many of my notes have to do with the visuals because, like, this movie is a visual feast. But oh, that's mm. right. I was talking about Matrix Re- uh, Resurrections. Um. Yeah, with with the whole cracking the world's shell and, you know, the the egg analogy for for trans folks. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not necessarily sure. Like, I think I've always viewed Utena as non-binary on some level just because uh, she is. I mean, you can be gender non-conforming and still be cis, but, you know, just my interpretation of the character, like... I saw a lot of myself in Utena with engaging with masculinity in ways that did not come from a point of maleness. Yeah, and, and I think I think that's really supported in the text, especially in the duel with jury, I think is like the most supported mm-hmm. by the text section. And also, I'm pretty sure the director has a, more or less agreed. He's like, yeah, don't. It's way more complicated than just this. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like, I don't want to be committing butch erasure either because, like, yeah. butch women exist and they're beautiful and valid um, or handsome and valid, whichever you feel like, you know, I'm not here to judge. But, you know, I've always read Utena as non-binary in a similar way to myself. And so, like, you know, some of that narrative, I feel like, applies when it comes to being trans and becoming yourself. But I think at least with Utena, it's a very broad sort of becoming yourself in re- relation to queerness. Um, you know, it's very obvious Utena is a by disaster. Anthe, I hesitate to speculate on Anthe's sexuality just because of like the complicated ways in which she interacts with it throughout both the series and the film. Mm-hmm. But, you know, she's very obviously queer. She she very obviously has a thing for Utena. So, yeah. like, she's she's sapphic, if nothing else. But... Um, yeah, she's unapologetically into Utena. Like, yes. from, from the jump in both franchises. Yes, 100%. Um, the obviously, in the series, it's complicated by the, like, last arc, but whatever. Yeah. It's not complicated. It's just, like, you know, it's... Yeah, like she's obviously still very much into antenna. It's just like, you know, whatever. Yeah. I'm not going to try no, and I'd... litigate like the 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 fucking Black Rose arc or whatever of Utena. Yeah, that oh, that's a lot. Yeah. Um but yeah. Um but I do think I don't think that Adolescence of Utena was necessarily an influence for Matrix Resurrections directly or anything like that. But, you know, it is fun seeing how they have, you know, they share a lot of themes about queerness. They share a lot of themes about, you know, the power of love and, you know, having to do things together to make it through um, that kind of thing. 
Um, it, so so in that sense, were you were when you were like you sent me a message that was like this is just the the Matrix Resurrections of anime, huh? Um, and it is wild how the last oop, hold on a second, I bumped my sorry, I knocked my pop filter off my mic. Um, it is wild how the last sequence of this movie is really the last sequence of Matrix Resurrections, huh? Yeah. Like there's yeah. all there's a swarm mode. They're dropping from the ceiling like bombs. Yeah. I'm I'm getting the more I watch it, the more I'm convinced maybe maybe uh Lana did just rip off large sections of this movie for Matrix Resurrections. I mean, it's it's possible, but I'm not I'm not willing to directly say that that's the case. There's such a thing as convergent evolution. No. Um <laughs> but but yeah, it's there's so much stuff here that is very similar to Matrix Resurrections thematically. So it's you know I thought it was worth talking about. Oh yeah, um, for sure. But um, yeah, um, so many so many visuals that I really enjoyed. A lot of my a lot of my notes are about the visuals. This movie August, is just. I have something that has not let me rest since I watched this movie forty eight hours ago. Yes, um, what is for the it? first time. Uh, will you please, for the love of fuck, explain to the cow scene to me? I don't I don't know. I don't get it. It hurts me. It haunts me. Please explain, cow. It's um, <laughs> I don't remember where I read this, but I do remember reading that the cow scene. I mean, the cow scene is a reference to the cowbell of happiness episode of the series where Nanami uh, ends up turning into a cow. But I think um, Ikuhara said that it was basically just like to acknowledge that, yes, Nanami exists, but she's not relevant to the plot of the film. Like, and the same goes for Choo Choo. And I forget what the little alligator's name is. But yeah, I can't remember. I, I remembered the alligator, but I could not remember his name. Yeah. So that's, you know, that that's entirely hearsay. I could be completely making it up, but I, I vaguely remember reading somewhere that that's that's what that whole thing was okay fine good i'll take that uh i just haven't had rest i'm like what is the cow what is the symbolic meaning of this cow scene there has to be some deeper meaning to the cow i don't know (laughs) i thought i was good at media literacy but apparently i'm not uh it's (laughs) as far as i know it's just a reference to to the series to demonstrate that one of the characters is irrelevant (laughs) good but great yeah. Man, yeah. I can't have we have we had any scene some weird shadow scenes uh in Steven Universe yet? Not to my knowledge. That okay. feels like the sort of thing where I would have been like, yo. Yeah, we got some coming up in flashbacks and stuff like that. It's very yo. <laughs> nice. Oh wait, no, I think we have gotten we have gotten one now that I don't remember. I want to feel like it was I want to say it was something Pearl was was telling. Oh, I think we were we referenced it because the wall art is very much in that vein. Oh, like of the temp okay. of the moon temple is very similar to that. Yes. Yeah, that but makes we get, sense. We get some more direct, extremely like more direct references to it, I think, this season. So, OK, OK, yeah, love, love the Greek chorus. Eco, which Fco and Seco, <laughs> yeah, love the love the Greek chorus because that's that's the purpose that they served in the series. That's kind mm-hmm. of the purpose that they serve in the movie. 
Um, I appreciated the like kind of confirmation that the the chorus really was just Anthony and Utena like the entire time. Um, See, I think per in my in my head that really plays into this being like a cycle story thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean that makes sense. Um, so I I want to talk about Akio here for a second. Okay, let's talk about um, Akio because I fucking love what the movie did for him. Well, did to him. It didn't do mm-hmm. him any favors, and that's great because Akio is a pathetic and contemptible person. And I almost wonder if the portrayal of him in this movie wasn't a direct response to the way that like Akio had a pretty big fan base from the, the series. Yeah. Because like he is a pathetic and contemptible person for all the things that he does. Like, you know, we, we already have the blanket CW for, for sexual assault, but CW CSA, um, you know, he fucks 14 year old girls mm-hmm. for fun. Like he's awful. And it's really great to see that Ikuhara agrees that he's fucking awful. Well, I, it's, I don't think Ikuhara ever thought that he was good. <laughs> I mean, I like, don't think so either, but it's nice to hear him say the quiet part loud. Yeah, exactly. Like, this guy's a piece of shit. He's a pathetic garbage man um, who, uh, it, you know, is, 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 isn't just a playboy, but is just like a shallow, hell, like, hollow shell of a human. Um, yeah. The I, I again, I that's why I also think that this is something that comes after the television show, like in a storyline perspective, specifically because they they mention at the end when uh, we get the big trans transforms back into a person from a car. Uh, we get uh, them saying that like Utena, or I think it's maybe Eco and Echo or Fco saying something like it was Utena and Anthe who who killed Akio together which makes sense for the end of the series like Mm. where Utena defeats Akio with like the help of of Anthe you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and the fact that he's just dead at the beginning of this this yeah that makes sense like Anthe remade this is yeah Anthe remade the like remade the world and took out the part that she didn't want the most yeah. Though you obviously know, can't is, get away from the things that he, you know, he's still there, can't get away from the things that he did and all that jazz. Yeah. <laughs> this is just Anthe coming to terms with her own grief about Utena. Yeah. Um. God, love this, love this purgatory allegory. <laughs> extremely sexually charged purgatory. Yeah. What? Let me. God, this the I'm trying to figure out kind of like where we are, where we've been talking, everything. So um, we've just been all over the place. It's true. Uh, I I, honestly, they should have just taken Mickey out of this show, too. He just is there. He's just kind of Mickey. Yeah. Uh, Did you notice that one of the cars in the background when Mickey and Jury are in the like garage or whatever? Yeah. (laughs) Sister. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i noticed that on the second time around i was like oh hey there we go um yep. i remember she turned into a car did but 
I am confused a, a bit about Toga's backstory. Though, honestly, you bring up a thing of, like, it being a place where people have to, like, f- like are forced to deal with their traumas. So it make, actually makes more sense the lines that he says there. Um, mm-hmm. Because I'm like, what? In the timeline of things, when did Toga... When did when does all of Toka's stuff happen? Because it's very confusing. Yeah, I the timeline doesn't one hundred percent make sense to me either. But, but he does, you know, it's very. I think it's. I think it's. Uh, I think you're reading that's kind of like a weird. We're in a lost purgatory situation here. J.J. Um, Abrams also still stole everything he ever knew about <laughs> from anime. I guess too. I'm I'm making that call. Um, mm-hmm. The. Because what the Toga's line there is like, he was the one who allowed me to come to this place, which makes sense because he's the, you know, if it is a place where you deal with your traumas and find like a way out and forward. Yeah. Um, yeah. So makes more sense now that we've gotten to here. Um, yeah. I have a whole, and, I have, so, I have like almost a paragraph of me ranting in my notes about how mad I am about the music production in this, <laughs> in this movie. I just got to that section. I'm like, oh, good, huh? Uh, we also got some really good revela- revelations here. Like, Shiori has a foot fetish. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, man. I'm not convinced that Shiori isn't dead too. Oh yeah, sure. I think I, I think the reading that they're all dead. This is purgatory yeah. is the best reading of this. Yeah. Just somehow Toga's more dead than the rest of them. Because <laughs> Mi- Mickey yeah. obviously can't Toga for whatever reason in this version of the Academy. I don't think Toga exists because Mickey has no idea who Toga is. Yeah. He he exists purely for Utena, and I think I almost wonder if like Toga isn't a con uh, isn't purely a construct of the school in general because the school does things to keep people in it. That's mm-hmm. you know that that's always been part of my reading of the school as you know just kind of being a trauma trap. Um, it's weird so, though because like, Shiori can see him. And so can Anthe, but no one else. Though well, I don't I know what's Shiori going on. Maybe, with, yeah, I have no idea what's going on with Shiori's Shiori's deal, though, because like it all happens in a white room. Yeah, yeah, it's. Or maybe it's because her trauma also is specifically uh, dealt around Toga. Yeah. And that's, then Anthe, Anthe probably just had, I can explain Anthe as, Anthe is like the, the power epicenter of this entire fucking constructed world. So like, you know. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's the battery that keeps this place running mm-hmm. and always has been, um, which is one of the reasons why I don't think this is necessarily uh, a sequel to the school, uh, to the, the show, because like, it's, you know, at the end of the series, I personally feel like it's the the point is Anthe leaves and finds Utena in the outside world. I don't think Utena ever died. But uh you know, so that's just me. Um but yeah, Anthe's Anthe's at the epicenter of of everything in the school, so of course she can see Toga. Yeah. Uh, the art drawing scene is just incredibly charged, huh? 
Yeah, Anthony's like super horny in yeah. the movie. Like, I recall her being almost vaguely sexless in the original. I could be misremembering though, or I could have been projecting. But like in the movie, she's super fucking horny. Like for Utena, not for anyone else. <laughs> well, we don't know that because we don't know. We know that she is willing to have sex with like whoever she's engaged to. We don't see her interact with anybody other than Utena in that capacity. So we don't know for sure, but she's definitely horny for Utena. Yeah. Well, it seems as though she is the one who's doing the chasing when it comes to with Utena, as opposed to like the dynamics oh, yeah. of relationships that she's usually in as the Rose Bride. Yeah, that's that's very true, which is also kind of, you know, a fun inversion of the way at least the first arc of the story goes in the show with Utena being kind of the not necessarily a romantic pursuer, but she's the one who's frequently pursuing like Anthe's real motivations and, you know, trying to, you know, court Anthe to act outside of like what she normally would. Yeah. Um, oh man. So that dance scene, huh? Yeah, I, I specifically put a note in here. Uh, Brian, remind August of the AMV you made to hurt them with. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> that that AMV was really good. I I like it a lot. Thank you very much. Um, You're welcome. You did, you did hurt me, and it was delightful. Uh, but yeah, that dance scene. Um, just... Uh, it's still so good. It still fills we fills me with emotions. Um, I don't have anything coherent to say about it other than uh, that dance scene, though. It good good dance scene. Yeah. Um. Let's see. So I, I also have a note in here. I, I got kind of like into the. I got deep into the plot, baby, of this the thing. Trying to figure it out. Um. So what is it you think that Anthe shows Utena? I know it's like visualized as like uh, Anthe like missing her heart or what have you. But you think like that is the she like shows Utena the power of the world revolution or what have you. Or is it just something different or like because it obviously changes radically Utena's like motivations going forward. I, I think that it's a visual representation of Anthe talking about her trauma. Mm. Like... I think that what we see with Anthe, you know, being sliced open and especially because it comes like right before, um, I think it comes right before Akio is discovered. Yeah. And, it comes right you know, before the duel with jury. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, it's just a visual representation of like Anthe starts talking about her trauma and what happened. At least, you know, that's, that's my read on that scene. Okay. Like, fair. I don't think, I don't think that, I don't think that necessarily, you know, uh, Utena sees, like, Anthe with a hole in her chest, like, on a diegetic level, but what we're mm -hmm. supposed to get out of it, I think, is, is this is Anthe confessing to everything that happened to Utena. Right. But maybe not necessarily everything, because, uh, well, I guess Utena's right, because Anthe doesn't kill, did not kill Akio. Yeah. Yeah, so never mind. Um, 
the yeah Akio Akio died because he's a horrible contemptible pathetic person yeah fuck him uh the so I have I think I know all right here's my explanation of why Utena turns into a car uh-huh uh like because she has won the tournament I'm assuming jury was the last person she needed to beat in the tournament because there were only two people in the tournament <laughs> um the like this means that like she has access to the power that anthony has and can in fact like create miracles and bring about the world revolution and what that does is it actualizes her into a form in which the two of them can in fact actually escape into the outside world yeah i mean i always i always read it as you know utena is literally the vehicle for which anthony can escape her trauma and who she's been pigeonholed into being Mm -hmm. like, I think that I don't think that the car wash necessarily has to do with like manifesting any miracles. I don't even know that at this point that the duels even mattered that much in the movie. Um, It's because it's specifically when Utena is trying to be like, Hey, let's, let's get out of here. Let's just fucking go. Like, I don't, you know, I think that I think that the power to revolutionize the world itself is just like in the series, I don't think that it was ever really important. The power to revolutionize the world was really just the power to actualize yourself. Yeah. And like that, you know, maybe maybe it does have to do with her winning the duels, but it, I always read it as Utena and Utena's convictions are what allow Anthe to get out of this situation. And admittedly, there are a lot of themes of they have to work together. Anthe has to be the one to give direction to where they're going. She's the driver, mm-hmm. but you know, it's Utena's, convictions that fuel her and Utena's desire for them to leave that is the catalyst for all of this. Right. Listen, I've had decades to think about this movie. <laughs> um and so like, I don't know, it it the car scene never struck me as particularly confusing, especially because like there's always been a lot of like out there imagery uh, in Utana in the series, like it's just like this is the entire series condensed down into you know yeah what was it like the, two hours one and a half uh, one and a half yeah the so that, the imagery gets condensed too the, the imagery of Utana being a car is not what I found striking what I found striking is one third of this movie's runtime is this <laughs> and I'm like what the fuck. I mean, that's the important part. The important part is, like, them being able to escape. Yeah, And true, the trials true. and tribulations of trying to do so. And also, like, you know, emphasizing that, you know, when the world is out to get you, like, your queer friends will help you. Uh, okay, um, hey, why is Sionji here in here? I don't fucking fuck know. him. Get off the fuck fucking that guy. get off of Wakaba. Like get off the Jeep, motherfucker. Uh fuck yeah. you. 
Yeah, I don't I don't know why he's there. Uh, you know, Jury and Miki made sense. Mm-hmm. Although, oh, speaking of Jury and Miki, they have serious T for T energy. I know that Jury uh Jury is quite commonly read as a lesbian and with good reason, but like she's always had this sort of thing with Miki and I can't help but think of, you know, I they they have heavy T for T energy for me in this film. <laughs> I love I think I've heard to, I've heard something in here like uh where where is the note um it's just something along the lines of like calling the head of your calling the head of the fencing club prince is a very straight thing to do yeah uh-huh sure is mm-hmm. um, um but yeah like you know the you know spending spending a lot of screen time and admittedly some of this is also just like showing off the technology because this is where a lot of the technology came to play oh yeah between yeah. this and the dance sequence um so uh so this also i have to say this movie has the greatest line ever uttered in all of cinema <laughs> Yes. Yes, yeah. it does. The The line uh, that will be burned into my memory for all of eternity is it is a big it's a big mistake to think you were the only one who could turn into a car. Uh, <laughs> which, frankly, seems true because even Wakaba can just turn into a Jeep, just like whatever. I'm a Jeep now. Well, I mean, I think that it has to do with like you know, bold of you to assume that you're the only person who has drives that can motivate you to do things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Wakaba wants to help Utena and so she's a car. So that way, you know, people can do repairs. Um, the other students, you know, because it's, it's heavily implied that the, the cars are other students, you know, nameless, faceless ones, you know, just want to, you know, drag Utena back. They don't want to see people, you know, people like Utena succeed. Oh, yeah, for sure. I just great fucking phenomenal line. <laughs> it's a really good line. It's a really good line. But I mean, in the context of the movie, it's also a line that makes sense. Like, it sounds like so much word salad outside of the context of the film. But yeah, it makes sense. Uh, um, Akio walking along the highway gave me motion sickness. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I don't know what it is about it, but it like made my head hurt. Yeah, it's it's because he I feel like he's animated, you know, slightly off from everything else that's going on around him. And like physics do not appear to apply to him at all. Yeah. Like, I don't think he's even the appropriate size for a human being in that particular shot. So. Uh, um. <laughs> Oh, uh, another, there's another line toward the end that gives me, makes me think, like, when, um, Anthe says, I'm not run, like, uh, I'm not running anymore to, uh, the, when she's being crushed by whatever those things are, the weird grinder thing. Yeah. So... Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, it's a really good, that whole sequence is just really good because it's about 
Anthe choosing to confront things and confront the the harshness of the outside world. She's no longer going to stay in her egg. Um, you could say that like it's the whole um, you know you need to you need to bloom because the pain of staying a, a bud is greater than the pain of becoming a flower. Um, that kind of thing. But it's just it's really good. I'm so happy for Anthe. Mm-hmm. She's doing amazing. Um, God, so much good visual symbolism. I love the, um, I love all of the cross imagery that's associated with the roses that Anthe's growing. Um, I love the, in the, the, the platform where the duels typically take place. I love the archway with, you know, that looks like, you know, the rose that's been sliced in an anime style. Um, just some good, good, good shit going on visually. <laughs> um, also, the archway that comes into the the Rose Garden-like dueling platform, it's cracked and off-center, too. Mm-hmm. Which is mm-hmm. similar but different design to its design in the show. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good, good show. Uh, slightly confusing, a little muddled, uh, I think at times, but probably intentionally so. Uh, but yeah. amazing. Loved it. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, yeah, there's, there's a reason this show was like, August queer awakening before August was like, Hmm, that's a problem for future me. And then promptly like repressed all of that shit for many years. (laughs) Um, but, uh, I have so many emotions. Like I said, when the, I got, I got super emotional and choked up when the, when the anime theme song hit at the very end, it's just like, ah, fuck. Did. So, do you think this destroyed the Academy when they left? Cause it seemed to imply it destroyed the Academy when they left. Yeah. Okay. It, it definitely implied that they destroyed the Academy. What do you think is going on in the world outside? Is just like a weird post-apocalypse. They're driving through vampire I mean, hunter D like, I mean, honestly, I don't think that anything in the back third of the movie should be taken literally. And so like, too bad for you. I'm here. <laughs> I know. But like, I think the fact that the the world is is like gray and a wasteland just kind of represents how dull and boring real life can be. But like the fact that they're there together and it's important that they chose to live their lives as themselves outside of, you know, trauma purgatory uh, is, you know, is important. Like, you know, they don't know where they're going. They just know that they can make roads together if they have to, you know, they've got each other. Um, you know, things might look bleak, but it's still better to be living truthfully than to be in an illusion. So... No, I want a sequel series um, where Utena, <laughs> like, it, it's basically Revolutionary Girl Utena, but instead of duels, like, fencing duels, it's all, it's like Revolutionary Girl Utena cross initial D. 
Yeah, I <laughs> I had a feeling that's where you were going. <laughs> yeah, we've we've got to uh, we've got to break the world's shell by drifting. Yes. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's already a curve. You can just drift around it. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how that works. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I. Like I said, I've had I've had decades to like turn this movie in my head over and over. And so like, you know, I've definitely got my own interpretations for a lot of stuff, but like the the back half of the movie, I don't think you can take literally whatsoever. Um but yeah, it's it's a lot though. And and I agree there are definitely some parts where where things get pretty muddled. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think part of that is just because it can't stand on its own. It just can't. Yeah. Like there's, there's very little in this movie that, that doesn't need prior knowledge from the series. I guess and it's so, not really my, the stuff that I require prior knowledge from the series from. It's just like, there's small storytelling beats that don't add up that make me, that pull me out of the experience in a way that like is not reflection is just like what wait what what's happening here like toga's how where does toga's backstory line up uh because it Mm -hmm. sounds like like where in relation to utena's backstory like how do they connect i get where him and jury meet up but like what's going on with the ghost toga like because it seems inconsistent uh Mm -hmm. And it's one thing to have like wild. It's one thing to like tell like a, a like a an like a um like a metaphorical sort of story, but like it still needs to have like consistent internal logic to be able to follow the plot. Yeah. Uh, no, that's fair. Yeah, and then, again, those are small details that are just like they're not big deals. I feel like my my boy Mickey got like the short end of the stick, uh, but at least he I really guess he did. did. At least he wasn't a cow, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I Mickey was probably my favorite character other than Utena in the show. Yeah. Um so I was I was very sad about like his role in the in the the story when I first saw the movie, but um Yeah, it just yeah, would have been I mean, nice for like cuz like he is like more or less functions as like uh, Utena's like other best friend, at least through the first arc of the show. And mm. he's just kind of, oh, he's here. Um, which is fun. I understand yeah. that like, li- there's like a lot of fuck. They've got a lot of shit to condense. I get, they're not going to do everything, but like maybe he just felt like a nothing burger character. He doesn't do, he doesn't even fight her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think some of that is like he was there because the fans expected him to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, also, he was there to satisfy the the twincest denomination. Yeah, that um, was weird, too. Uh, I mean, their relationship was always like really weirdly sexually charged in the series. Like true, but it just it seems super... ex- it just seems extra weird considering like Mickey has probably four scenes and that's the one of them. <laughs> That yeah. gets no other characterization outside of that. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I think it definitely clarified, like, 
I think that scene in particular was meant to clarify like the true nature of how Kozue feel feels about Miki mm-hmm. and like the way that like her her fixation on him is toxic and you know not you know extremely harmful right. to to him and just you know how selfish her her drives are to the point where she's willing to hold him at you know knife point basically because of who he chooses to associate with like you know we get a little bit of that in the series i think but it's not as explicitly laid out as it is in the movie that's fair i mean they basically everything that all the very explicit things in this in, in the sh- in the movie are more or less in the show as well just not quite as like turned up to 11 yeah so Overall, great movie. Loved it. Lo- lo- loved it. Yes. Yes. Phenomenal. Absolutely. It it holds up really well. Like, I, I had a lot of fond memories of it. I was a little worried going into it that I was going to be disappointed because I was going to, you know, see things. I mean, there are a lot of things that I saw, like, going into it as an adult that I didn't really take in when I saw it when I was much younger. Um, and I was worried that, it was going to like disintegrate under the weight of my experiences, but that was absolutely not to the case. I got more out of it on this viewing than I ever did when I was a little, when I was a kid, Mm -hmm. not a little kid. I wasn't a little kid, but (laughs) when I was a teen. So, um, fun fact. Um, I used to run a web shrine, uh, back in the, you know, when that was a thing, I used to run a web shrine to Miki. Um, I collected a bunch of like images and stuff. Um, I even scanned uh, some art book stuff. Like I shelled out a bunch of money for like every Utena art book that there was at the time um, to have, you know, a nice little gallery. I, I curated a couple of fanfics uh, that focused on him. Um it was probably not the best showing of HTML, but I coded everything by hand. I didn't use a WYSIWYG editor or anything like that. Um, I don't think it exists anymore, though. So that's your your fun August lore. Um, all right. Do we have anything else? Uh, I can't think of anything else. Okay. Um, so. I think. Hmm? Um, no, go ahead. Oh, no, go on. What were you going to say? No, you go. Okay. Uh, as we have come to the end of Uten, I'm reasserting my control of the show. Uh... (laughs) Uh, I just, I want to do the sign off. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Let's see. So starting next time, we're going to be into season four of Steven Universe. We've got some great new art coming down the line from Lou. Uh, It looks dope. Um, Did I show you the latest line art, August? Uh, You showed me the sketch, I think. Okay, let me send you the line art real quick so you can react to it. 
Oh, wait, wait, wait. Um, I just, you know, beep, 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 beep This beep, just okay. in. Yep. More Owl House coming February 29th. Oh, sick. Sweet. Great. That's too far away, but great. Oh, wait, wait. Never mind. It's not a leap year. Oh, oh, that's a joke then. God damn it. God damn it, Ashlyn. Ashlyn, how could you do this to us? <laughs> all right, Ashley, you're gonna have to line up to fight us with all the other people. Uh, Gosh darn it, right. Ashlyn. Oh, uh, it looks so good. It looks great. I love it. Um, But our next three episodes are going to be Kindergarten Kid, Know Your Fusion, and Buddy's Book. Uh, pretty fun, fun little setup. I, I'm frankly more excited for the second set of Mindful Education, Future Boy, Zoltan, and Last One Out of Beach City, because there's two episodes in there that are going to fucking destroy you, August. Um, oh boy. We have, theoretically, we have some at least two really cool fucking guests lined up for this season. I'm not gonna say anything yet until, like, we get them fully confirmed and we got dates for everybody um but it's gonna be really good time um let's see that's that's it i like i think our next season break we should probably watch the other two evangelion movies yeah probably um unless you've got a suggestion dear listener uh, what we should watch because I think we've we've reached the peak of things we, we've hit the the big the big influences that August and I share <laughs> yeah um outside of other weird 90s anime um but I don't know if we're gonna I wouldn't want to necessarily dedicate a whole episode to like me and my really niche love of uh fucking outlaw star so <laughs> Oh god, fucking outlaw star. Um I don't know. I could be convinced to to rewatch the first couple of episodes of Outlaw Star. I don't know. I feel like the, the, the probably doesn't have as much we'll probably figure something out between then and there, but uh we've got at yeah. least let's see how many episodes are in this. Uh we've got eight there's only eight episodes in this season that oh, wow. we're going to do. Because, you know, we do them at three at a time, but there's only yeah, 24. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's, uh, I guess you could, we only have about 25-ish episodes left in Steven Universe of us reviewing it. Oh, wow. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, there's Fucking only, wild. there's this season, five, season five, the, I'm assuming the movie's going to get its own damn episode. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, Future then we've got to figure out something else to watch, I guess. I guess. Uh, we can't watch Adventure Time because it doesn't have the same level of... Uh, th- I feel like Adventure Time is a forever... That's uh, that's our forever version of this show. Yeah. <laughs> There's so much of it. Yeah. I um, mean, you know, there's a lot to be said for, like, seeing the, you know, the, the DNA that it gave to Steven universe, but mm-hmm. you know, also like you said, that's the forever show. Yeah. Um, maybe we could pivot into something like oh. the owl house. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh yeah. I know something we need to announce. Oh, okay. The stream at the end of, uh, February. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was just going to do that next episode. Um, 
Oh, okay. We're doing a stream at the yeah, end of February then. on our Twitch page of twitch.com forward slash uh, standing stones prod. Twitch.tv. Sorry. You guys know what Twitch is. Um, yeah. Forward slash standing stones prod. Uh, we're going to be raising money for Blunt Pride. That is the pride organization that I uh, that is my hometown uh, and I am a part of. Um, we need money, folks. Uh, please, please, God. Um, and uh, we should have some cool guests, hopefully, for that. We're going to be playing games like we usually do. Should be a fun, fun time. We're doing that on the 26th of February. It's going to be a 12-hour stream. I don't think we have a start date quite yet, but it'll probably be somewhere around 9 or 10 o'clock in the morning, Eastern Standard Time. Um... Yeah, I think last time we did 10 to 10, so... Yeah. It'll either be 9 to 9, 10 to 10, one of those two. Um, usually what works out best for us. The... Yeah. Um, check out... Uh, so, by the time you're listening to this, we'll be barreling into the season finale of Gay Space Rock... Or not Gay Space, we're Gay Space Rock. There is no season finale for us. <laughs> the... Um, We'll be barreling into the season finale of Dumb Kids Playing Hero. Uh, it will, it's going to pain you deeply. Um, the bleed should also be wrapping up over on Roomware Pod. Um, what's going on with FTL in in roughly one week's time, August? Um, we're still working our way through. Uh showing off sagas of the sunless reach Mm -hmm. um i forget what episode we're on um i think it's episode five part two will have released by the time that uh this drops uh so we're we're getting there um we're probably going to finish that up by the end of february and then season five will start so or season six so uh nothing super duper uh to report so um, other big project from network associated people, Zach, uh, he's got his book. He's putting out like a chapter at a time, audiobook format in the form of a podcast. Uh, you can check. Oh yeah. Zopcast. Yeah. You can check that more at Z, Z is in zebra opcast, uh, at on Twitter, uh, and just search for Zachary, Zachary Olson presents, I believe on your podcatcher your of choice. Yeah. Um, Let's see. I th- think that is actually everything. Oh, August and I are playing Odd World Munch's Odyssey, where I ate shit and fucked up and didn't save properly. So tomorrow I've got to wake up and play through until we get back to the point of the game where we stopped last time. Uh, Munch's Odyssey, janky, but so much f- so already more fun than uh, than Soulstorm. So. Yeah. Uh, I'll take jank over poor design. (laughs) It's not even really that janky. It's just like it's the graphics are janky, but the gameplay isn't. The only thing that's janky is like some of the the context specific buttons don't work the way you expect them to. Yeah. But usually I don't have to do those in like uh, timed like it's not. I'm not under a clock to get that stuff done. So that's, that's nice about it. Yeah. It's not the fucking infinitely climbing forever levels, but anyways. Oh God. Yeah. No, fuck those levels. Um, all right. 
I think that's it. August, I believe you wish to do the outro here. Yes. Uh, I encourage you, dear listeners, please be like Cookie Hat and break the world's shell. Peace. Peace.